This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 137. Can we revisit that fight? Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. Uh, just to clear the record here, uh, neither of us likes fighting or revisiting. <laughs> fighting. So what are we talking about here today? Well, as you know, Daniel, in every conflict, there are two options, right? Mm -hmm. You can either go down the road of having a full blown out argument, or you can open the doors with your spouse to a deeper conversation, which can really actually lead to a greater understanding of yourself and your spouse. (laughs) That's right. That's right. We've lived out both choices. (laughs) Maybe one more often than the other. That's right. You guess which one. That's right. And honestly, many times we've really just opted to walk down the road of having a fight, not knowing that there was a different path to move forward. Mm-hmm. In our 17 years of being together, I can count on one hand the huge, you know what I mean, the huge <laughs> crazy fights we've had. And they've actually mostly surrounded family dynamics and in-laws. If you want to hear all the juicy details of those fights that actually almost ended our engagement, we'll link the episodes to this week's show notes. Just go to inbetween.org slash episode 137. If you want a sneak peek, it's really about (laughs) (laughs) in-laws. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. We fought a lot more often than five times. But the strange thing is that those fights were, hmm, how can I say it, about insignificant things. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. I mean, fighting about Tupperware lids, which I'm better at putting away now. A hundred percent. And loading the dishwasher in a certain way. and Which you, I know you, just yeah, not you to know. do it. Yeah, you know. Exactly, right? And it works out great. And, and for you, picking up socks left on the ground. Now, not only from me, but our kids too, which we're all getting better at. <laughs> We are all. <laughs> and since sandal season is coming, yes, this that's right. yeah, argument will be put to rest until winter time. <laughs> well, as John Gottman's research has shown, it doesn't actually matter what the topic is that you're fighting about. Mm. What really matters is how you repair your relationship after the fight when your differences in personality, perspective, and needs collide. As we've mentioned before in a previous episode, The main goal of your marriage is not to avoid having arguments, okay? Mm. There's no such thing as a conflict-free marriage. In fact, 69% of all conflicts are considered perpetual. That means they don't actually have a resolution because you two are different people. Yeah. Christina, do you mind just repeating that last sentence one more time, especially for our podcast family who haven't listened into that episode where we first talked about that? Yes. So the stats and research show that 69% of all conflicts are considered perpetual. That means they don't actually have a resolution because of your differences. 
That is mind-blowing. The fact that there are conflicts that are just going to go on because of uh, your differences. So that's why on today's episode, we want to give you a framework to help you repair your relationship after a big fight. Because if you don't process your conflicts, you may actually find yourselves feeling disrespected. Both of you, unheard, perhaps, lonely, or, or maybe just simply festering in your anger. Mm-hmm. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Because the little fights will become the huge arguments because you just don't feel safe with one another. Wow, that is huge. Well, according to Dr. Julie Gottman, when couples come to therapy, she has noticed that partners often sit side by side like enemy ships, war-torn but still afloat. Many have fired rounds at each other and there's been damage done. Daniel, doesn't that bring you to the image of the game Battleship? Do you remember that? Our kids still play <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Each unresolved argument between y'all is like firing off rounds trying to sink the other ship. Mm, yeah, some of those hit, mm-hmm. right? And they hurt and others are like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't really phase me. <laughs> exactly. You didn't actually hit the ship. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but what we really do need to remember, y'all, is that we are on the same side. You are on the same side as your spouse. Your spouse is not your enemy. If you lose, y'all both lose. If your spouse loses, you lose too. Yeah, that reminds me of a few of our staff recently got married at the church and were writing cards. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's actually the first time I started writing this. And it was actually because of this research that there are perpetual fights. So I said something to the effect of, you know, we're praying that you begin to learn how to love well, laugh well, and fight well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Because fighting is going to happen. Conflict is going to happen. But hey, like it says in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. You are on the same side. Right. And that's what you need to remember when you have conflicts with one another. You are on the same side. One another, each other, you're not the enemy. Exactly. And fighting, though it can be painful, and there's a certain way to fight as well that we're going to get into, um, it helps y'all be able to get on the same page. That's right. That's right. Because if you don't talk, if you don't fight, you begin to drift apart. Mm-hmm. We've talked to many couples where this has happened. They realize that they are more like roommates than soulmates. Wow. And when we ask, how, how do you think you got to this point? Many of them say, you know what? We stopped talking. It was just less painful to coast along in the same space and in the same house than to face the pain of having a conversation. Yeah, but here's the thing. When unresolved conflict like this is allowed to live in your marriage and your home, these wounds are just left open, right? They they, they don't automatically get solved because you're not talking about them Mm -hmm. even if you have an agreement a silent agreement with your spouse to say you know what it's too much effort let's just agree to disagree these are wounds there are wounds that have been cut open because of words that were said things that had been done and if you don't uh, resolve that conflict these wounds are just left open They're, they're just so painful that they're just left open Yeah, they can become so painful that you start to make promises with yourself. You start to say, you know what? I will never let my spouse see me vulnerable again. Mm, I will never. 
Yeah, yes. that's that. Don't ever say I'll never. <laughs> that's that's a way to just catch yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is that, like you were saying, Daniel, you can't actually just suppress your hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you can lock away into a room and throw away the key and think that it has been solved. Yeah. No, those feelings of hurt don't magically disappear. And I've tried it before too. Avoiding the feeling only works for so long because something else will happen and you will either implode or explode. Yeah, yeah. But shutting your spouse out of how you're feeling, shutting your spouse out of the chance to both share your thoughts, your emotions, and your lives, it actually melts away the positive connection in your relationship and drives a bigger and bigger wedge between you two. Yeah, you're so right, Christina. And I don't know anyone who wants to have a wedge between them and their spouse. No, it's so awkward, Yeah, right? it oh, really is. And it really is painful to be in the same room but feel unheard and unseen. Yeah, so with significant unresolved problems like these ones, uh, what happens is couples, you will actually begin to disconnect emotionally from the other person because you're not going to feel emotionally safe with each other. I love what Dr. Sue Johnson, the creator of emotionally focused therapy says, most fights are really protests over emotional disconnection. Wow. Underneath all the distress partners are asking each other, can I count on you? Can I depend on you? Are you there for me? Will you respond to me when I, when I need, when I, when I call, do I matter to you? Am I valued and accepted by you? Do you need me? Are you relying on me? The anger, the criticism, the demands, their really cries to their lovers, calls to stir their hearts, to draw their mates back in emotionally and reestablish a sense of safe connection. Wow, that is huge because... You may not even realize that the way you're trying to throw darts at your spouse, you're trying to get your spouse to at least say something to you, is actually a call and an ask for reattachment, for reconnection. Mm -hmm. And once you begin to realize that that's what you're doing or that you begin to realize that's what your spouse is doing to you, you will be able to find other ways to draw emotionally closer together rather than arguing or throwing fiery darts. Yeah, I'll just repeat that first sentence again from her from her quote. Most fights are protests over emotional disconnection. Mm-hmm. They're protests over emotional disconnection. So what does it look like for you to reestablish that safe connection with your spouse, especially when you've just been disconnected? Exactly, Daniel. Because when we feel insecure in our relationship, we don't feel safe enough to express our deeper, more vulnerable emotions like hurt, loneliness, or rejection. Instead, Our spouses see a different side of us. They may see anger, resentment, or frustration, making it harder for our spouse to hear our longing for love and connection because they actually feel or may interpret that we are pushing them away. Yeah, yeah. So there's this concept called regrettable incidents, Mm -hmm. right? Christina, can you explain that to us? Sure, Daniel. It's actually the good news in this whole situation. I feel Mm. like we've been talking a lot about the the (laughs) negatives. So let's talk about the good stuff. Dr. John Gottman coins regrettable incidents as conversations which can help us reconnect with one another and strengthen the attachment bond. 
In his research, he noticed that one of the predictors of a relationship's failure is the couple's inability to manage conflict in a healthy way and to move forward knowing the source of why they felt like they couldn't move on from the argument. Like, why can't we solve this? Mm. On the other hand, couples who were able to process these past painful hurts and events and to understand why they were actually fighting in the first place were able to build a very strong relationship. They were able to ask themselves and each other, what was the conversation we needed to have but actually didn't get to? So how do we do this? Well, first off, you both need to be ready and willing to talk about the past conflict. Mm -hmm. If either of you is not willing to process the past incident, then you aren't ready to have the conversation. How do we, how does someone know that they're actually ready? (laughs) Is it just they both feel calm? Well, according to Dr. Julie Gottman, processing means that you can talk about the incident without getting back into the fight again. Oh, that is a good distinction. (laughs) Well, because you may never have ever experienced something like that, Mm -hmm. right? Where in your past growing up or with other in other relationships or at work or with your spouse, it's just every time you talk about it, it's back to a fight, right? So processing, according to Dr. Julie Gottman, really needs to be a conversation as if you're both sitting in the balcony of a theater looking down on the state where the action had occurred. Oh. Right? So this requires calm and emotional distance from the incident. So you can't do it right after the incident just happened. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I liked that visual example of being able to sit and watch the argument taking place versus actually being one of the characters in it. Yeah, that's right. So keep in mind, though, that the goal of having this processing conversation is for creating greater understanding between the two of you, right? So the way both of you are seeing the conflict is your reality. I'll say that again. The way that you are seeing the conflict is your reality and the way that your spouse is seeing the conflict is their reality and both of your realities have validity because perception is everything. Even though you might think that the other person is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how often does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) Perception is everything, right? We aren't just focusing on the facts and we aren't in this to prove one person is right and the other person is wrong. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Wow. I already see how even the baseline of having these conversations are a whole deeper level of growing connection between each other. Mm -hmm. All right. So how do we do it? For the rest of the episode, we are going to be outlining five steps to go through consecutively, one through five, and we're going to start with the first step. So after y'all have come to the agreement that you're ready to talk about this past fight, the first step is to share how you felt during the fight. The goal of this step is to only list the feelings you felt during the argument. 
And while it may be very tempting, this is not the time to share why you felt this way. It is also not the time to comment on your spouse's feelings either, mm. okay? We're not going to be throwing things at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you're like us and have a difficult time naming your emotions, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to link to a feelings wheel to this week's episode's show notes. So we've literally printed it out, right? And we have it in front of us. It's on our fridge. And every time we are talking about how we feel, we just grab it off of our fridge and we use it. It just makes... It's so much easier to process our emotions in the moment. You can go to inbetween.org slash episode 137 to grab that printable today. Okay, I know this may be really new to some of y'all, so let's give an example, Daniel, from our own relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the more recent fights we've had is about where to invest some of our savings. We were not agreeing with each other's approach, and it was escalating really quickly. <laughs> yes, I still it was also, that. Yeah, yeah, it was also pretty late at night. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a freebie for you. Yeah. Maybe you don't talk about finances before you go to bed. Yeah. While you're brushing your teeth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What did you say? I don't understand. <laughs> well, in the end, we figured it out, but there were underlying stories behind why each of us reacted the way we did. We'll go into further detail as we share the steps, but we hope that this example will give y'all a better idea of why these steps are so crucial to further understanding one another. Yeah, so when we were having that fight over where to invest our savings, uh, if I were to grab the feelings wheel, (laughs) I mean, honestly, I, I felt angry. I felt anxious. I felt not respected. I felt overwhelmed. I, I just, yeah, I, I felt like we just didn't, I, feel, I honestly, I felt like you didn't trust me. Mm-hmm. And when Daniel, when we fought about these finances, I felt misunderstood, unappreciated and angry. Mm-hmm. So that's literally step one, y'all. Yeah. We shared how we felt about this past argument and there was no like oh really you felt disrespected well you know how i felt (laughs) (laughs) and the beauty of the feeling wheel is it's honestly going to expand your vocabulary Mm -hmm. around different emotions and how they all connect because i don't know about you but i never did a an emotional 101 course during university or high school right none of that happened well and either none of our parents really gave us the emotional vocabulary to express more than happy sad angry (laughs) That's right. Yeah. But there's a lot more emojis than just the five. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe you can do it with emojis too. (laughs) But don't text this conversation. No, have it in person. (laughs) Take like post-it notes out and be like, wait, wait, let me draw how I feel. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So the first step is to share how you felt during the fight, like what we just did right now. The second step is to share your realities and validate one another. Right. Remember, we talked about your reality, though it may not be the same reality of your spouse's, both of your realities have validity. Okay, so how are we going to do step two? Well, you do this by first choosing a speaker and a listener. You will switch roles as well. So actually, it really doesn't matter who goes first, but one person is chosen to be the speaker and the other one is going to listen to the speaker yeah so as the speaker your goal is to share your own reality of what happened during the fight it's important to make sure that you're using i statements and and what you notice right oh yeah because you're on the balcony right you're on the balcony and you're looking down on this for example i heard you saying that's way better than saying you told me Especially with the finger. You're like, you told 
me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because this is going to help you avoid attacking or blaming your spouse, or having your spouse interpreting what you're saying as being blamed or attacked. When you start to point fingers, when you start to say you, 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 all of a sudden the per- listeners <laughs> like anxiety boils up and guards start to be put up, right? Walls. That's right. That's right. That's right. So if you're the speaker, another important aspect is to tell your spouse what you needed during the event. So you're sharing your reality and you're also talking about what you needed. Remember, we're trying to get to the point where we can uncover what that conversation was, the the real conversation that you actually needed to have, but didn't. Okay, so that's for the speaker. As a listener, you need to focus on seeking to understand your spouse's unique experience, even if it's very different than what you remember happening. So don't... Don't lean back with your arms crossed because that is going to communicate to your spouse that you don't care. And it's Mm -hmm. also, honestly, it's going to put you in a defensive posture. So just the simple act of uncrossing your arms, even if you're like, that is not what I meant. What are you talking about? (laughs) How do you remember it this way? You're wrong. You're so wrong. (laughs) Don't do that. Right. Focus on understanding their experience. Right. Focus on their experience. Then after your spouse has finished sharing, summarize what you heard them say, not what you believe they meant. (laughs) Or not what (laughs) you think they should have said. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Then validate their experience and show them empathy by saying something like, wow, I can see why this upset you. Yeah, how powerful to be able to be listened to and also to show your spouse that you care and that you are really trying to understand their side. Mm -hmm. Well, after you validate your spouse's experience, ask them, hey, did I get it right? And if your spouse says no, ask him to further share to try to get on the same page of understanding and then continue to validate until they say, yeah, yeah, actually, no, you did get it right. Mm -hmm. I feel heard and understood. As Dr. Julie Gottman reminds us, validation doesn't mean you agree, but that you can understand even a part of your partner's experience of the incident. Okay, I'll say it again. Validation doesn't mean you agree. Just because you're saying, oh, I can see why this upset you, doesn't mean everything you said to me, I have to take it in and I am now your doormat. No, the point is to Be trying to understand even a little bit of your partner's experience of the past fight. Yeah, that's so important. I'm I'm glad you repeated that because I think in today's day and age, verbalizing it and validating it, I think most people will say, no, no, that that does mean you agree, right? Because you've reiterated and you've, yeah, I mean, that doesn't it sound like it, that that's what was right? And I was, but so remembering this, right? Remembering this and actually before you even do this with your spouse, to have your spouse listen to this episode, to listen to it with one another right. so that together you're hearing, hey, both of you, validation doesn't mean you agree right it doesn't mean but it's helping you understand one another it's going to be so important and life-giving and helpful as you do this work with one another exactly because remember the goal is to make your spouse feel completely heard and understood the goal and don't aim for the fact that you have to prove yourself right or you have to submit so lowly to your spouse that mm-hmm. whatever they say you agree with no that's yeah. not the goal yeah because when when we make that the goal what happens 
to the relationship and in the conversation? Well, if your goal is to really make sure that you and your spouse feel completely heard and understood, it makes y'all feel safe and loved, Mm. which really makes it easier for you to repair and build a stronger connection, which is really why we're doing this episode and these five steps. Yeah, that's good. So after you do that, switch roles where the speaker becomes a listener, listener becomes a speaker, and, and don't move on to this third step until both of you feel understood. So the third step is to share your triggers. Yep, because beneath difficult conflicts are emotional triggers. And these triggers, these sensitivities, stem from personal histories, perhaps even from childhood, before you even met each other. Mm -hmm. And often, these little arguments can escalate into major blowups because of these past emotional triggers. Yeah, so during this step, take turns sharing what experiences or, or memories you've had that might have triggered the interaction. And as you look back on your life, stop at the point where you've had a similar set of feelings triggered in the past. Then tell your spouse the story of that past moment so that they can understand the sensitivity. So some examples of triggers are, I felt judged, I felt excluded, I felt criticized, I felt ashamed, I felt out of control. Hmm. So let's go back to our example, Daniel, about our fight (laughs) about finances. So I shared that I felt afraid and out of control because there was this sense of fear growing up in my family that we just didn't have enough money, that we had to penny pinch because at any moment we could lose it all. We had to be prepared for financial trouble no matter how big that tsunami would be. And looking back, even though we always had more than enough and like pretty much I pretty much got whatever I wanted when I asked, my parents would just give me money and I would buy it or they would get it for me. I had this underlying fear that if I asked for too much or spent too much money, my family would not have enough money to put food on the table or pay for the roof over our head. Yeah. And as money has been a hot button in our relationship for a while, I validated Christina's triggers and I understood what she meant and and shared that understanding with her because that was very similar to how I grew up as well. Both of us having grown up in immigrant families where our parents really came with nothing Mm -hmm. and built an entire life through their hard work and their love for uh, me and my sisters and, and your parents for you and your brother. Right. So after listening to your triggers and and empathizing and sympathizing with you in that, I then shared my triggers, which included a sensitivity to feeling disrespected or not trustworthy. For me, as the main handler of our finances, I was very aware of the needs that we had right now, the future needs as well, and felt like I had been very responsible in this area. It wasn't like I was just saying, oh, you know, there's we're just going to frivolously, you know, bet on this and bet on that and that without some sort of safety nesting. I felt like we had that and that it was um, we were in a place where we could take a little bit of risk with this savings. So after we had that conversation, we really both came to a greater understanding of each other's trigger points and why they were such sore spots for us. 
us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It really was powerful to share our past emotional triggers and come to a greater understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the next step after that is step four, which is take responsibility for your role. Now, if we lived in a perfect world, it's unlike, yeah, right? <laughs> it's unlikely this regrettable incident would have even occurred because we have we would already have been emotionally connected, calm, and fully accepting and loving of one another, right? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh. that's not the world we live in. <laughs> and not yet, we, at least. <laughs> no, not yet. Uh, that's true. Uh, so we get a, we get stressed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is we get stressed and and we feel unappreciated by our spouse, which just makes it easier for us to have bigger and bigger arguments. So for that reason, it's helpful to acknowledge the things that set us up for this sort of miscommunication with one another, right? To, to acknowledge that, to take ownership, and then to apologize. Mm-hmm. This step is about taking responsibility for your part in the conflict. It's about sharing how you set yourself up to get into this conflict. Mm-hmm. So when we were having that past argument, Daniel, I shared how I had been stressed, irritable, and overly sensitive about finances, especially during the pandemic, because we knew people left, right, and center losing our jobs. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to freak out, like, what if we lost our jobs? Mm-hmm. What if we had to use all of these savings? to be able to cover our mortgage. Yeah. Well, I then apologized for overreacting and attacking you, especially because there was there was no past evidence that Daniel had of being frivolous <laughs> or flushing our money down the drain. Yeah, and for me, after that conversation we had with one another, I realized that then I knew a lot more about our finances than you did. Right. I knew where we had savings here and if in case I lost my job, what we would then rely on. And I had these different nest eggs and plans that I knew in my mind. So when I was like, oh, hey, Christina, so we're going to take a little bit of risk and invest this money, man, I it was calculated. I understood that, but I, I didn't I didn't ever communicate that all mm-hmm. to you. So I was expecting you to unconditionally trust me in a season in our finances, uh, in a season when the whole world was being turned upside down. So it was really my bad for for interpreting that as disrespect and interpreting that as mistrust when in fact I just didn't tell you the whole story. Right. And so when you apologized and I apologized, we both accepted it and acknowledged that things got a little bit out of hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Now, in this step, if the apologies are not accepted when you are doing this with your spouse, each of you should say what you still need. Remember, we're not mind readers. So if you're not feeling validated, if you're not feeling accepted, trusted, so on and so forth, you need to be able to express that to your spouse. So before we go on to our fifth step, let's just do a quick recap. Step one is to share how you felt during the fight. Step two is to share your realities and validate each other. Step three is to share your triggers. Step four is to take responsibility for your role. And step five is 
constructive planning. Now, remember, all of these steps, especially if you're on the road or working out, all of this is going to be at inbetween.org slash episode 137. So don't worry about writing this all down. You can always go back there to the show notes to see a recap and to be able to share this recap with others too. Mm -hmm. So in this last step, constructive planning, it's about having an open conversation with your spouse and sharing one thing both of you can do differently to avoid an incident like this from happening again. Mm. Then you can share both one thing you think your spouse can do to make a discussion of this issue better next time. So Mm. you start with yourself and then you can talk about your spouse. Can you give us an example of that? Sure. Well, first of all, I want to make sure that you know it needs to be positive and actionable. Okay. Yeah. So it'll be something like, I need to know more about what has been stressing you out lately and not, I need you to stop being a big jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. No, that's good because it's like, yeah, okay. um, Next time, don't be a jerk, right? Like that is, that is valid in the sense of, yeah, I think you can do better next time by not being a jerk right but it's not Not positive positive. and it's not actionable Uh, i love that i need to know more about what's been stressing you out lately right yeah that's that's good that's good so as you bring your conversation to a close ask each other what do you need to be able to put this incident behind us so we can both move on That's when you can focus on what you can agree on together and perhaps even write out a plan because paper never forgets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So going back to our example, after the entire scenario and it all played out, uh, really, we agreed that we'd take one day a week to talk about our finances, that we would update our budget and ask any questions that we have about our spending. Uh, We'd also continue to talk about our financial goals, what we're saving toward, and why. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books, available wherever books are sold. Yeah, which has really helped me understand, ah, okay, we are prepared for some of life's (laughs) tsunamis that come at us, right? Well, in the end, remember that every conflict offers an opportunity for a deeper understanding of you and your spouse together. Mm -hmm. And it's also an opportunity to repair the emotional bond between y'all. While a fight about where extra money goes may seem silly, it highlights how often little things can become big things because of the underlying feelings and meanings and and emotions beneath them. Yeah. So podcast family, building a great marriage is hard work Mm -hmm. and it requires growth and understanding from both sides. 
At times, this means that you'll need to take the time to process difficult arguments instead of watching that Netflix show. <laughs> uh, it's it's okay to watch those Netflix shows, maybe to help you get into the calmer space, but you need to have those moments where you're processing those difficult arguments. And, and these five steps are going to help you build a stronger and healthier marriage as you work together to understand one another on a deeper level. Yep. So remember... All the show notes, all the links to this week's episode will be on inbetween.org slash episode 137. And like you said, Daniel, this would be a great episode to be able to share with your spouse Mm -hmm. and listen to maybe by yourselves first and then listen to it again with your spouse to be able to understand the five steps and help you have a framework to work out a big fight. Yeah, and perhaps one place to start is not the conflict you had the day before. <laughs> Maybe it's a conflict you had a year ago or two years ago or three years ago that you know actually ended up well. And you were like, okay, well, I think we've resolved this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot of hiccups and bumps on the road up until then. But I, but I think we're generally resolved. And, and just to walk through that with these five steps will help you be able to internalize these steps and be like, oh, oh yeah, okay. I should have Maybe maybe you will even be able to understand one another even more mm-hmm. uh, because you've you're really able to go up to the balcony and not have that emotional closeness to something that just happened the other day. Exactly. And we would be honored, y'all, if you would share this episode with someone that you love and care for and think, you know what, this would be really good to be able to do this with your spouse, um, maybe to have a framework to even work out if you have adult children or older children to be able to work out an incident with them as well. Yeah, that's right. So going back to that card that I wrote, uh, we pray that you podcast family would learn to love well, laugh well, and fight well <laughs> <laughs> because fight and conflicts are going to happen. And you know what? It is possible and so achievable to be able to repair your relationship and actually have a stronger relationship after those big fights. All right. So next week on episode 138, who are we going to be interviewing, Christina? We are going to be interviewing Emily Lay about how to build a life that you love. Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening in and we'll catch you next time. This episode was brought to you in part by The Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.